Our Old Testament passage today picks up in 2 Samuel chapter 14. Now, Joab. Oh my goodness, here's Joab again. Now, folks, you got to remember something about Joab. This was not a good man, okay? This is, this is not a good man. A very skilled commander, a very great warrior, but not a good man. This is the man, remember, who killed the commander of Israel's forces under, under Ishbosheth when David had granted him peace. This is a man that down at the end of David's life, he said, now Solomon, don't let that man die in peace because of what he has done. And he said, why did David keep him around? You know, there's a lot of things in the Bible I don't get. So I put question marks next to them. Why did David keep him around? Maybe because of his tremendous ability? I don't know. But this was not a good man to have around. Now notice, when you have people around you that are not good men, they may be skilled, they may be capable, and they may even be nice people, but they're not good people. Notice the danger. Now Joab, son of Zeruai, knew that the king's heart went out to Absalom. Bad people close to you know your heart and manipulate you. They know your heart. Now here is David, this great skilled warrior, this, this warrior king, a man after God's own heart. And we find the story of a bad man that David allowed to remain close to him, who knew his heart and manipulated him. You see, people who are close to you, whether they're good people or bad people, they know your heart. And Joab sent it to Koah and brought from there a wise woman and said to her, pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning clothes. All right, so here is, here is the acting the acting to manipulate. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but be, behave like a woman who has been mourning for many days for the dead. Go to the king and speak thus to them. So Joab put words in her mouth. Now, beloved, this is a big warning. Never let people put words in your mouth. Because what they're doing is they're using you to manipulate. Never let people put words in your mouth. When the woman of Tekoa came to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and paid homage and said, Save me, O king. And the king said to her, What is your trouble? She answered, Alas, I am a widow and my husband is dead. And your servant had two sons, and they quarreled with one another in the field, and there was no one to separate them, and one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole clan has risen against your service, and they say, Give up the man who struck his brother, that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. So they would destroy the heir also. 
They would quench my coal that is left. In other words, I'll have nothing. And leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. The king said to the woman, go to your house and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, on me be the guilt, my lord the king, and on my father's house. Let the king and his throne be guiltless. And the king said, if anyone says anything to you, bring him to me and he shall never touch you again. All right. So again, all of this is a game. It's all a game. And David is making decisions based on deception. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a great leadership truth. I always put L's for leadership. Every one of us is leaders. Forgive me. <laughs> Every one of us as leaders gets deceived. And we make decisions because people have deceived us. They, they put on a nice act in front of us. And so David makes these multiple decisions. Then she said, please let the king invoke the Lord your God that the avenger of the blood kill no more and that my son be not destroyed. He said, as the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Now notice, decision and then double down. Now, now, folks, it's amazing. People can deceive you. You make an even stronger decision. You, you double down on the decision. So it's even stronger. Now, this is another thing to watch out for. When people are wanting you to make the decision even stronger, back up. Now, now here, here's the warning. When pushed... To make decision stronger, back up. If they're not happy with the first decision and they're pushing you to make it even stronger, okay, why are they pushing so hard? And the woman said, then the woman said, please let your servant speak a word to my Lord the King. He said, speak. And she said, why then have you planned such a thing against the people of Israel? For in giving this decision, the king convicts himself, inasmuch as the king does not bring his banished one home. We must all die. We are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God will not take away life. And he devises means so that the banished may not remain an outcast. Now I have come to say this to my lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And your servant thought, I will speak to the king. And it may be that the king will perform the request of a servant. For the king will hear and deliver his servant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the heritage of God. And your servant thought the word of my lord the king will set me at rest. So, for my lord the king is like the angel of God to discern good and evil and the Lord be with you. <laughs> Guys, sweet words. Sweet words. You know, the greatest deceivers are the people who seem like nice people. Then the king answered the woman, do not hide from me anything I ask you. And the woman said, let my lord the king speak. And he said, is the hand of Joab with you in all this? Ah. He learned to recognize 
Joab's deceptions. But it's a little too late. He's given his word now. And the woman answered and said, As surely as you live, my lord the king, one cannot turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that my lord the king has said. It was your servant Joab who commanded me. It was he who put all these words in the mouth of your servant. Don't ever let people stick words in your mouth. Now, see this twice now. See this twice now. Twice now we see Joab put words in her mouth, put all these words in the mouth of your servant. Don't ever let people put words in your mouth. This is where danger comes from. In order to change the course of things, your servant did this. This is a big important. Joab had a purpose. Joab wasn't trying to help David. Joab had a purpose. He wanted to change the course of things. This bad man in a number two position, in a second in command position, wanted to change the course of things. So he manipulated David. Then the king said to Joab, Behold now, I grant this. Go back, go bring back the young man Absalom. And Joab fell on his face to the ground and paid homage and blessed the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I found favor in your sight, my lord the king, and that the king has granted the request of his servant. This was Joab's desire. Not David's. He knew that David missed his son. But Joab was the one who wanted him back. And you have to ask the question, why? Why? So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, let him dwell apart in his own house. He is not to come into my presence. Wow. So again, you see, this is Joab's desire, not David's. So Absalom did depart in his own house and did not come into the king's presence. Now in all Israel, there was no one so much to be praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. This guy had no pimples. <laughs> this guy had no scars. This guy was Mr. Guapel, okay? And when he cut his hair of his head, for at the end of every year he used to cut it. When it was heavy on him, he cut it. He weighed his hair as 200 shekels by the king's weight. So you talk about a thick head of hair. I mean, this guy, this guy had the thick hair. And there were born to Absalom three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. And she was a beautiful woman. She got it from her daddy. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab again. Now here, here's this guy, okay? Joab, this is a leadership thought. His in, his access. Then Absalom sent for Joab. Now notice, a bad guy like Absalom knows how to use a bad guy like Joab. 
Okay. So bad guys use bad guys for access. Bad guys use bad guys for access. Then he said to his servants, see Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servant set the field on fire. And Joab arose and went to Absalom at his house and said, why have your servants set my field on fire? I mean, that's a big loss. He should have gone to prison for that, but he's the king's son, so he gets away with it. So here we have abuse of position. No consequences. And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent word to you, come here, that I may send you to the king. Okay, here's access. Here's access again. Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to still be there. Now, therefore, let me go into the presence of the king, and if there is guilt in me, let him put me to death. Ah. Bold, because he knew king's heart was soft. He was the son. He knew the king's heart was soft. You know, people can be really bold when they know that you have a tender heart. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. After this, after this, so the king kisses him. He accepts him. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot, horses, and 50 men to run before him. Grabe talaga. Now he begins the plan of rebellion. First, he needs access. Nobody's going to listen to him if he's still cut off from David. He needs to be again received as the king's son. He needs the position. So position, access, needed to launch rebellion. Now remember, this took years to happen. The worst rebels are the slow plotters. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man, rich and poor, had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, from what city are you? And he would say, your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel. And Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. All right, so he slowly Ah, pen, please work. He slowly plants seeds in heart against David, in hearts against David, against, let's call it his father. He slowly plants seeds in the hearts of people against his father. 
Then Absalom would say, oh, if I were judge of the land, then every man with the disputed case might come before me, and I would give him justice. So he plants seeds, the anti-seeds, let's call these, the anti-seeds, and now we have the follow me seeds. He knows this is going to take a long time, but he's planting the seeds for people not to trust his father, and he's planting seeds for people to follow him. He's putting seeds in people's hearts. And whenever a man came near to pay homage, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Wow. This is called the sip-sip seed. Absalom looks like such a nice guy. Appears nice. Appears kind. But this is the guy who slaughtered his brother in cold blood. This is a guy who burns down a, a, a general's field because he, he, he's not getting his way. This is not a nice man. But he appears nice. He appears kind. Thus Absalom did to all Israel who came to the king for judgment. And here's the kicker. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now this is the problem. This is the danger. This is the danger. When you keep opening yourself to people dropping seeds against real leadership and seeds on the other hand that make you look, make them look wonderful. When you start, when you start letting people put seeds in your heart, it steals your heart. Sometimes you just have to learn. These are not good people, no matter how nice they pretend to be. These are not good people. I'll stick with the King David, thank you. At the end of the four years, now notice, four years. This is the slow rebellion. Very, see, there's nothing wrong with Absalom's brains. He, he is extremely clever. Then at the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and pay my vow, which I vowed to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow when I lived in Geshur and Aram, saying that the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem. Then I will offer worship to the Lord. Okay, manipulation. David would say yes. David's not going to stop his son from worshiping God. This is what David wants. So he uses, he uses the spiritual to deceive. Then the king said to him, go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say Absalom is king at Hebron. Now, secret messengers. Brothers and sisters, when you have people calling you on the phone and saying, this is our secret. This is our secret. God doesn't do things in secret. God doesn't need to because he's always right. With Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited guests, and they went in their innocence and knew nothing. Okay, every rebellion... has people who are innocent and who know nothing, has those caught up. 
but not involved. And wise leadership understands this, and you don't penalize these people. They didn't go there as part of the rebellion. They, they went there for the vow. Okay, so please understand, rebels will, will attempt to draw off people that are also close to King David to, to, follow, to follow them. So it looks like they've got this huge support, but they don't. They're innocent and they know nothing. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ohithophel, David's counselor from his city in Gilo, and the conspiracy grew strong. And the people with Absalom kept increasing. So rebellion grows, and rebellion increases. Now, notice this guy named Ahithophel. Ahithophel is extremely important. Ahithophel is David's wisest counselor, but he is also a man who is very bitter. This is the grandfather of Bathsheba. Ah, so he knows what David did to Bathsheba and to her first husband. He knows and he's never moved on. He's allowed bitterness to form in his heart. God forgave David, but Ohithophel never did. And so he's very bitter. Now, one of the things you need to watch out for is rebels attract the bitter. And they'll use them. They attract and they use just like they use these people. So understand, rebels are users. Now, I've watched this all of my life in God's house, in the church. Rebels are always users. They, he uses Joab, a bad guy, for access. He uses innocent, know-nothings. He uses Ohithophel. They're users. And one of the most devastating things that happen when a rebellion is finished is the damage that is left in the proverbial wake. Because people don't trust anymore because they finally wake up one day and realized, I was used. I was innocent. I knew nothing. I was used. Even the bitter, like Ohithophel, when he figured out, you know what, this is over, we're finished, Ohithophel goes out and commits suicide. It's very discouraging to wake up one day and realize your bitterness or your naivety was used to do something very bad. So brothers and sisters, tremendous leadership lessons today. Let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship now.
New Testament passage today picks up with the story of the resurrection. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept. She stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. If you've gone with us to Israel, you've seen where Jesus was laid. You got kind of a kind of a bed built out of a rock wall, kind of rock, and then they hewed, hewed it out, and now there's like a just a narrow bed there. So you got two angels sitting there like a couch now, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. <laughs> but she did not know it was Jesus. She did not know it was Jesus. Remember, Jesus is now in his glorified body. This is a new body. So there's things that are going to be about this body, just like the two men on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him. There's going to be things about this glorified body that are different. And he said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you laid him and I will take him away. And he said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. <laughs> my sheep know my voice. He called her name. She knew that voice. <laughs> Can you imagine the emotions that must have been exploding within her as she turned and said, Rabboni? <laughs> oh! He said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Now, now notice, this is the first ascent. This is the Hebrews' high priestly ascent. Later he will physically ascend. But this is the Hebrews' high priestly ascent, where Jesus goes and cleanses the heavenly holy of holies and sprinkles his blood as the lamb slain. Later on, they ate with him. Okay, I mean, later on, there's no problem with the clinging, but he is yet to go to the Father. Mary Magdalene went and announced to his disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were in fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. <laughs> Doors being locked for fear. How different these men were after the day of Pentecost, Eba. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is New Covenant salvation. This is when they became the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, the Holy Spirit we have three experiences with. We have with, we have in, and we have upon. With 
the Holy Spirit had been with them. Jesus had the full anointing of the Spirit on his life. In, this is salvation, when we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Upon, this is the baptism, all right? In is salvation. Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the sins of any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, we've seen the Lord. And he said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place in my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Don't you know that those words <laughs> were tattooed in the front of his thinking for the rest of his life? Thomas went to India and brought the message of the gospel to India. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. <laughs> now he's in his glorified body. He can walk through walls, all right? One of my favorite thoughts on this is a man came into my office oh, quite a few years ago now. And he said, Pastor Sumrall, he said, you know, we, 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 are, we are living right now in our glorified bodies. And he wanted to teach me all this stuff. And I said, you really believe that? And he and a group of guys had come up from Davon. I said, do you really believe that? He said, yes. I said, well, then walk through that wall for me. He said, oh, I can't. I said, why? He said, because you're in unbelief. I said, really? Jesus walked through the walls into the locked room and Thomas was in total unbelief. Ah. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Happy. Happy are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Oh, 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 oh. The fruit of faith. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Ah, I better be careful or I'll start preaching on that. Let's turn to Proverbs for a little bit of wisdom today. And this is cool, all right? The sluggard. The sluggard just means lazy. The lazy person says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the road. Okay. Lazy people always have an excuse. Now, I know that this COVID thing is real. Please, I know that. But, you know, I also think people use COVID as the excuse for everything. They, COVID is the excuse for everything. Oh, we can't get it to you on time. But you signed a contract. Yes, but we can't do it on time. But you signed a contract. Yes, but you know COVID-19. Well, you signed the contract when COVID-19 was going for a year. People, people use COVID-19 as an excuse for everything. Brothers and sisters, don't make excuses. 
get it done. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard lay on his bed. Now, how does a door turn on its hinges? Back and forth, back and forth, okay? Lazy people love their bed. They love to sleep. Oh, I'm just going to sleep five more minutes. An hour later, oh, I'm just going to sleep five more minutes. You know, I've seen people, or I haven't seen, I have known people that literally could sleep all day, get up and eat dinner, and go back to bed and sleep all night. And he said, they go, grabe talaga. <laughs> you just, there are people that just love to sleep. That's lazy people. The sluggard, here's the lazy person again, buries his hand in the dish. All right, so notice characteristics of the lazy. Number one, excuses. Number two, sleep. Number three, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out even to bring it back to his mouth. Sleep will not even take care of self. They'll put their hand in a dish of food, but they won't even bring it back to their mouth. They won't even work to take care of themselves. Oh, I'm just going to be poor. (laughs) Number four, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer sensibly. So sluggards think smarter. than everyone else. Now, he, verse 17. This is a big one. Now, we're not talking about lazy people anymore. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ear. All right. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.